Amen, amen. What a glorious day that will be when we, as sons and daughters of God, get to worship our Lord and Savior for eternity. Uh, and we are going to spend the bulk of today looking at that. And I am super thankful that you guys came back. I know last week was, was hard news, but true news. I mean, it's reality, right? Not the funnest, most heartwarming message. A lot of conversations at Butterfields afterwards might hopefully look a lot different this week. As we dream of what God has saved us to, you know, last week we took a hard look at what he saved us from. And for those of us in here that know Jesus Christ, this past reality, this eternal hell, this separation from God, no longer true for us because God has ushered us into his family. We are sons and daughters and we get great blessing that we'll talk about today. And so I'm excited to be with you. Welcome to all of you uh, joining us online. Certainly those of you at, at Cactus Campus, I got to talk to Rick a bunch this week and it's exciting to hear What's going on over there? All of you in the chapel as well. And to my Northridge family, uh, one more week and then I'll be back and excited to hear what God's been doing in your lives and seeing some of you as well. But for, for all of us here, man, thank you just for welcoming me here at the Shea campus and getting to come back and be a part of all of this. Uh, we're gonna talk today. And I was, I was joking with a friend of mine and then texting with Dan King. Uh, when, I, when I chose to do this, I, I should have realized that 40 minutes to talk about an eternity and an infinite God is going to fall woefully short. So can we all just agree? Rustin had a great word to me earlier just before this. He said, can you redefine success? Success is not everyone in here has a complete understanding of what heaven is because we can't do that. But we can at least for a moment, even if it's just dare to dream for today, what eternity will look like. And if we can get our eyes off of this and onto him and what, will, what awaits us. Maybe that wells up in us some confidence and some courage to walk through life even now, uh, because now is not forever, but eternity awaits, certainly those that know Jesus. So before we even dive into today, I'm going to come back and double down on a statement I made last week, and that is this. Uh, everyone is meant to live for eternity. In fact, everyone will live for eternity. Where you go is completely contingent upon where you place your faith. Last week, we talked a little bit about those that have chosen to place them, their faith in themselves whether it's their own knowledge or their hard work and their idea that I, I go to church, I do good, in the end, my, my good will outweigh the bad and the grand scales of life, so therefore I'm okay. You're banking on yourself. You're putting your faith in yourself. And everything we talked about last week awaits you. But for any of us that have humbled ourselves, come to the end of ourselves like I did at a young age and just said, God, I can't do this on my own. I am a messed up sinner and I am not perfect and I am a failure over and over again. I can't do it but I believe you love me and I believe your son died for me. And so in this moment right now where I was, I remember just saying, God, I need you for everything. And I just grabbed onto Jesus with all that I had. And in that moment, I gave my life over to him. And God took me from this reality into a future reality in the presence of God for eternity. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Where does your faith lie? Are you even sit here today or wherever you're at, where have you put your faith? No greater question you could ask today than where does your faith lie? Because everything we're about to dream about, everything that we're going to look to and talk about awaits any of us that have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to try and set it up for you this way. We can't dream of an eternity with an infinite God based on our finite minds and our inability to understand how awesome he is, but we can try. And so my guess would be, if I were to ask you, if we were to sit down, go out for coffee and just say, hey, give me, give me maybe like the greatest or the closest you've ever been to heaven here on earth. Maybe you've got a place or a memory or a time or a moment. 
that you would say, man, I, if I could relive any moment in time for eternity, I wish it was this one. Hopefully you've got one like that. I'll, I'll give you one of mine. I've got a couple. I've told you before, every summer my family has the opportunity. There's a, an incredibly loving and gracious family that has a house in Wisconsin, and they invite my whole family to come every year. And it's this beautiful home, and there's this about 60 yards of just lush Wisconsin grass, and then there's a little beach, and then a lake. And every year my family goes, we've been going since my 16-year-old was just a little guy, my other kids were older, and we just love it. We fish and paddleboard, and just, it's fun. And there are a few places, some of you with kids in, a, in an age range like I have, no, there are very few places where my 20-year-old daughter and my five-year-old daughter can go and have the equal amount of fun in a hundred different ways. That's this place for us. And so we go every year. And last year we had the opportunity and a picture was taken. I'm going to put the picture up on the screen because to me, I see this every night when I'm putting my son to bed. It's up on his bulletin board. This is a picture of my, at the time, eight-year-old son and his 87-year-old great-grandfather. And it's right at the end of this pier. And you can see this beautiful lake behind them. Sun is just getting ready to set. And they're doing what each of them love to do, and they're fishing. And the reason why, to me, this is a little glimpse, a little taste of heaven is this. This is a beautiful place. But in this moment, my eight-year-old son, he's not thinking about school. He's not thinking about the life ahead and the work and the heartache and the pain. All he's thinking about is I'm here in the presence with my grandfather, and we're having fun and we're enjoying life, and today has been an adventure, and tomorrow's gonna be another one. There's no hurt, there's no pain, there's no sorrow. My 87-year-old grandfather, with his arm around my boy, doesn't sit there and worry about health issues or finances or promotion he got or didn't get 150 years ago. He's not worked up about anything he's coming back to. No one's wearing a mask. They're not worried about politics, nothing. They're just present with each other and enjoying each other's company and enjoying what God created. And to me, it's a little glimpse of heaven. My 87-year-old grandfather passes on a legacy of tradition that he did to my mom and then to me and now to my son. And I look at this picture every night and I go, oh, that's gotta be a little bit of what heaven's like. But I kid you not, this last year, I was standing right here, not when this picture was taken, but right here. And I began to walk back my way back up to the house to, to grab something for one of my kids. And my 16-year-old son, Says, hey, dad, you want to play some football with me and the cousins? I thought, sure. 16-year-old son asks you to do anything these days. You do it because you just want to be with him. So we start to play. And he beats me on a few deep routes because he's 16 and he found the gym and he's not slow, right? And so he beats me on a few deep routes. <laughs> and much like his mom, he starts talking some trash. I don't know where he gets that. <laughs> and so I look at this 16-year-old in the eye and I go, okay, I'm going to show you who I was and who I still think I am. <laughs> So we line up face to face, ball is snapped, and I go out and I put a move on this kid that just buckles his knees. Man, he falls in a heap and I get wide open and here comes the ball. And I start screaming and celebrating while the ball is in the air. And I catch that thing and I plant my right foot to turn upfield and score a touchdown and my hamstring just exploded. <laughs> and I'm telling you, if my right shoe comes untied, you guys are in for a 15 minute circus while I try and tie it, because it still hurts. And it was almost as if God was looking down and going, Kevin, you are in this beautiful place, this place that you have, you've looked at and you look at it for an entire year on, the, on your son's wall and you think, I wonder if that's what heaven will be like. Kevin, I just want to remind you, as beautiful as this place is, you are still fallen. Your body is not perfect. This is still a broken world. And if this is what you think it's like, you can't even imagine how awesome it's going to be when all of that goes away. 
And so I need us to understand that when you begin to dream and think, man, I hope heaven's like this. Maybe it will be, but it will be 5 million times greater than whatever the this is for you. And so that's where we're gonna go. We're gonna try and do our best to understand the infinite awesomeness of what it's gonna be like in eternity in these finite minds. But we'll see what the spirit does with all of that. So let me pray and then we'll dive into our time in the word. God, we thank you. Uh, for your word. God, we thank you for, for the revelation you gave John. God, a glimpse into heaven for us to dream and to think and to imagine what it would be like to be with you for eternity. And God, the hope that being your sons and daughters now, what that brings to us, God, no matter what this world throws at us, that we can know with certainty because of your son, Jesus Christ, that now is not forever, but one day we will be with you. And God, we will do our best, but I will pray as the apostle Paul prayed all those years ago, God, enlighten the eyes of our hearts to know your truth, to know your promises, to understand your word. And God, though your, your love for us and what you have prepared for us is beyond our ability to comprehend, I pray if nothing else, you would give us a confidence in knowing what it means to be your kids and to know who we are to you and who you are to us. And so God, meet us in that place. And for any and all here, still need to come to the end of themselves and to find you for everything. I pray your spirit would move in their lives and hearts today. So we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, if you have your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to look at a, maybe a familiar passage to some, but it's in the book of Revelation. Uh, John was given an incredible gift. God basically gave him a revelation of all things to come, and he began to write them down for us to study uh, even to this day. And so we're going to look at the very end of Revelation chapter 20. We're going to kind of look at where we were without Jesus, and then he's going to point us to this beautiful new heaven and new earth as we roll into chapter 21 as we move forward. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip open to that now. I will read what we have on the screen for us here. Starts off, and he says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. We talked about that last week, eternal death. The judgment has happened. Now God is getting, making all things right, punishing the wicked. Those that have looked and said, okay, I, I know, I understand. Someone told me once, they gave me a track. They told me about Jesus, and, and I wanted nothing to do with him. And so now it is now saying to them, great, here is what you have, have received. But for any of us that embrace Jesus Christ, this next statement is what happens for us. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The question should be, how do I get my name in the book of life? You fall in love with Jesus. You come to the end of yourself and you put your faith in Jesus Christ. For those of us that have done that, our name is in the book of life and this is what awaits us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven... And the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And he, he God himself, will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, they have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, that's Jesus, says this. Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Because this is the beauty of heaven. We will kneel before God, the wicked to eternal judgment, the righteous, righteous because of Jesus into eternal glory in the presence of God. And we'll unpack all of that in just a moment. Now, I need us to understand, just like last week as we looked, if you die now and you don't know Jesus, you go to a temporary place, Hades or Sheol. If you die now and you know Jesus, you go to what is, I will refer to as a temporary heaven. Jesus would say to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul would allude to it multiple times. 2 Corinthians 5, he would say, look, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In Philippians, he would say, what? I long to, I long to leave this body so that I can be with the Lord, but I, I long to stay because benefit for you. So he's in turmoil. But his understanding, Jesus' understanding, was that once you breathe your last here, if you know Jesus Christ, you're immediately ushered into heaven. But that's not our eternal home. Because the day is coming when God is going to wipe away this earth or at least renew this earth and the, renew the, new, the current heaven and he's going to make it all new. He's going to make it all new. And so there is a temporary heaven now. One day is coming when God's going to restore everything and he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth and it is that place where we will spend eternity. And so we're going to look at that a bunch today. What does this look like, this eternity? this future reality for those of us that know Jesus Christ. And I got I got you guys got to understand, we're going to do a, a flyover of this. There's so much text in here that we're not going to have a chance to get, to get to. But we're going to look at some of the things that I think might, might move the needle for us as we begin to dream and think about what eternity will look like. And so here's how it's described. Here's some descriptions of the new heaven. Revelation 21, he talks about the beauty of heaven. We read the first part of that. He begins to describe the new Jerusalem. He says, look, it's going to be adorned with all of these jewels. It's where we get the streets are made of gold. And you get the description of the, of the pearly gate. Some of you guys have heard about. It's basically John going, I can't believe this city that God built. Everything we value here is used as building materials there. It's that awesome. It's that beautiful. Not just in the materials used, but in the intricacy in which God designed it. You're, we're going to sit there and just be in awe of what he created. I was joking with a friend of mine, James. We were talking the other day, and I got a buddy that's getting ready to go to Rome. And he's like, what should I see in Rome? James's first thing was, you need to see the Sistine Chapel. I'm like, really? Not the Colosseum? Not where Paul walked? Like, you're going to go to the Sistine Chapel? But for James, that was a big deal. Because you get to see this beautiful artwork and these great artists that did all these great things and you get to see creativity on display. God made us creative beings, creative beings. Can you imagine what God's creativity is gonna look like on display? If you were drawn to those things, if, you, if, if I got a buddy, if, if you're the guy that can walk into a room and you marvel at the architecture, that's not me, but maybe that's you. Can you imagine what you're gonna do when you see what God created? It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be incredible. Second thing he talks about, both in, in Hebrews, which we might look at later this fall, but also here in Revelation 14, is that we're going to enter his rest. We're going to enter rest, a time of rest. And for some of you, in the midst of a life right now where you are just going and going and going and going and going, the idea of rest is just, oh, I long for that. I long for that. But here's what I need us to understand when you hear the word rest, what that doesn't mean is we're all just going to plop down on some couch and stare at a wall for eternity. Rest is different for everybody. 
Is it possible that as God created us each uniquely and loves us each in an incredible way, that maybe he would give us opportunities to rest in the ways that we feel like we gain rest? I got a friend, Jimmy. All of you at Northridge, you guys know Jimmy. You know what rest is for Jimmy? Let's go on a 15-mile hike through the wilderness. That's like a New Year's resolution. Maybe I'll hike 15 miles in my entire life for me. Okay, that's not restful. I go on that with Jimmy. All I want to do is, is pass out and sleep for the next seven days. But for Jimmy, that's rest. Is it possible that when we get to eternity and God goes, man, you may enter my rest, that we will all rest as God, as, as we, we currently do, that we get recharged differently. Extroverts, you guys can go to the party and rest with everybody over here. Us introverts can just go find some place of solitude and just, ah. But we will rest. Because there's not more to do. God's done it all. We just get to enjoy Revelation 7, we might look at this a little bit next week. Some of us will serve God directly, and you hear that, and you go, I don't want to serve. I'm done serving. No. You know the joy and honor it will be to serve the God of the universe? What honor that will be? Some of us will get to serve God. We'll get to serve each other. We'll get to rule and reign in different ways. It's going to be awesome. We have personal dwelling places. You guys know the John passage. He tells his guys, I'm going to take off, and they all freak out. Where are you going? He's like, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Don't worry about it. The God of the universe is preparing a place for you as his son or his daughter? What's that going to be like? And you each get your own place. Again, introverts, we rejoice. Place to, to, to hide out. And sometimes I think of heaven and I get overwhelmed at billions of people there like, I can go hide out in my house. <laughs> my own spot. Created for me by God. Oh, how awesome that will be. The one who knows me better than anybody else, better than I know myself, goes, Kevin, I made this just for you. And you get to be here forever. How great will that be? Now, I know some of you, you guys want to know this one, okay? Luke 22, and also in, in chapter 14, begins to allude to this idea of that we will eat, feast, and drink. Jesus says, I will not drink of this cup, the cup being the wine, right? I will not drink wine until I come back and usher in my new kingdom. Illusion, there will be wine in heaven as well as other drinks. We will eat, we will feast. There's talk of this marriage supper that's gonna be incredible. There, there's opportunities for us to enjoy the pleasure of even just food. Will we need it? I don't know. We'll probably just eat for fun. Most of you do that anyway, but we'll get to eat for fun. <laughs> Not because we need it, just because we enjoy it. Because God made it for us to enjoy there's scripture all over the place that God goes, look, I made all of this to enjoy. He looks at Peter and goes, look, rise, kill, and eat. I made it all for you to enjoy. So just get out there. Stop worrying so much. Man, heaven's going to be that way. You want to sit down and crush 50 cheesecakes? Go ahead. It's not going to make an impact. You have a perfect body. It's going to be awesome. How savory, guys. We'll hit the, hit the steak line. I don't know. Right? We just, but it's going to be great. And you sit there and you go, well, what, what are we going to eat? What's it going to be like? I don't know. God's going to make it. God's going to make it. And whatever you've enjoyed here that you think, oh man, I hope they have this there. Guess what? This is a fallen world. That's full of sin and corruption. Wait till you get to heaven and taste what God made. It's going to be unbelievable. We're going to laugh. We're going to have fun. There's an illusion in Luke where, where Paul or Jesus is talking and it's in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who mourn for you will be comforted. And then he goes on to say, your laughing will turn to joy and dancing. You will celebrate in heaven. 
for all of us that have this, this, this view of like, well, we're just going to float around on harps and Bugs Bunny kind of just playing them here and there. And that doesn't sound fun. Man, forget that. You will laugh. You will celebrate. You will be overwhelmed with joy. Over and over again, it talks about there will be dancing in heaven. I joked earlier. That, that is my nightmare right there. I do not dance, okay? There's never been a song that has come on that I'm like, I feel like I need to move my body in strange ways to move to the beat, right? It just doesn't. It's not my thing. Some of you love that, not me. But I'll tell you what, it might take this, but the presence of God, I'll dance for that. Because I'll be in God's presence. How awesome will that be? We will celebrate, we will laugh, we will feast, we will eat, we will enjoy each other and our presence with God. For any of you that have painted some picture of heaven being some serene, peaceful place, it will be. But don't miss out on the fact that it will be an incredibly great party going on, thrown by the God of the universe for his kids, those that he loves. And it goes on and on and on. It never ends. It's eternal. And every day we will wake up and go, this is unbelievable, if we even sleep. Some of you won't even sleep. Um, then we get this one here, Revelation. We read it earlier. It's also from Isaiah. It talks about the God of the universe will comfort us. You remember the passage we just read? We'll read it again in just a second, but it says he will dry every tear from our eye. There will be no more mourning, no more sorrow, no more pain. Let me ask you this. If there's no mourning, no sorrow, no pain, what tears would God have to dry? They're not tears of heartache. They are tears of unexplainable joy. You ever had a moment like that? Something happens. You, you accomplish something you set out to do and you are honored and rewarded for it. And you feel this great sense of not unhealthy, but actual pride in what you did. And you just well up tears of joy. You hold one of your kids for the very first time and just tears of joy come down your face at what God has chosen to bless you with. You were moved with joy to tears. Could it be an allusion to that, that in the presence of God, we will spend millions of years just weeping tears of joy and the God of the universe puts us on his lap and dries every one of them and just says, man, I'm so glad you were here. You were gonna love everything I created for you. God's gonna dry our tears. He's gonna comfort us. He's gonna remind us who we are each and every day. It's going to be beautiful, but don't miss out on this. We're going to be in the presence of God. Everything that I looked at, everything that I studied, everything that I was reading kept coming back to this, the presence of God, the presence of God, the presence of God. And I will be honest with you in absolute full disclosure. After reading it for the seventh or eighth time, there's a part of me that went, okay, I get it. God will be there, but what else you got? Guys, that's my sinfulness on display. That's Satan messing with my mind helping me realize I have too low a view of God and too high a view of my own self. Because I spend my time going, yeah, but I wanna, I wanna play some golf. I wanna, I wanna watch, you know, maybe they'll have football there and I can watch the Cardinals finally win a Super Bowl. And that's my idea of heaven. Like, that's where I wanna be. And that's just my mind messing with me and Satan getting in my ear because the presence of God will be like anything we've ever understood. It's what we were created for. And before we dive into that, can we all understand that? There will be nothing better than the presence of God. Now, God's going to make the earth new. He's going to make all things new. That means there's going to be a perfect, brand new, God-created pebble beach somewhere. 
And my guess would be, I will be standing in the presence of God in all of who he is, just in his mere presence. And my buddy will come up and go, hey, that tea time finally came available. We've been waiting six million years for it. We're finally up. And there's a very strong chance. In fact, I believe this with my whole heart that I will look at my friend and go, you guys go without me. I'm in the presence of God. I don't want to do anything else but this. That's what I think. Go back to the very beginning. What were we created for? Adam and Eve were created in the garden to walk in fellowship with the Father, to be in presence with the Father, and they have it. And you know what temptation finally got, took them down? I don't, know how many, I don't know how many times they were tempted. We only know of the one. But you know what the temptation finally got them, whether it was the first or the millionth? It was when Satan looked at him and said, this God that you admire so much, this God that you love to be in his presence with, let me tell you, if you eat of this fruit, you can be just like him. And the temptation that took him down was them saying, there's nothing greater that we've ever experienced in this world than God. And if there's a chance we could be like him, we'll take it. Because they knew how awesome he was. Do we have that understanding of how awesome God is? There's nothing greater than being in the presence of God. So let's take a look. Do we have that up here, the presence of God? It says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. All the negative of this world has passed away. All we get to do now is enjoy all the blessings, all the good and the presence with our Father, and be with him. Guys, we sell God so short if that doesn't move the needle on how great that's gonna be. So I started to think, okay, what are, what are the things that we long for? What are those things that we go, man, I hope, this is, I, hope I get a little bit of this in heaven. Here's what I used to understand. You remember when we used to be able to do communion, we'd pass it out, and we had those little tiny communion cups? We still do communion, but we used to pass out those little cups. Okay, picture that cup. Shot glass, wherever your world is, just picture something, okay? Tiny, tiny little cup. And now I want you to think of every joyful, awesome moment you've experienced from the time you could remember until the day you sit right here, wherever you sit right now. Everything. The, the great grade you brought home in second grade where your dad scooped you up and said, I'm so proud of you. And you're like, yeah, I did it. Little drop goes into that cup. First time you had a crush and they showed interest in you and you were like, ah, put that in the cup. The day you got married, the day you held your child or your grandchild, the accomplishment you made, the, the goal that you reached, the day your team won the championship and you were just welled up with, ah, whatever that is, all of those experiences from the time you could remember to this moment right now, go into that cup, drop by drop by drop. And over your life, you have a million of those things. But all they do is fill your little communion cup. It's a reflection of your entire life's joy here on this fallen world. And then I take you to Coronado Island and I put you at the feet of the Pacific Ocean. And you look out to a vast ocean of blue. You can't even see the end in any direction. It looks infinite. And you look down at your little cup of joy. And you look out at the joy that God has in store for you. Is it possible that you might look at this and go, I want that, and I want that for eternity, and anything that this life has to offer that we want so desperately, I hope they got golf in heaven. Uh, maybe they, I bet you they do. 
But I bet you a lot of us blow off tea times to spend time in the presence of God because he's that great, because he's that awesome, because he's going to be that much better than anything our minds tend to wander after now. Why? Because all of those things that God has given us to enjoy, whatever it is, all those moments that went into your cup that you're like, this was so great, all of those are meant to point us to God, not to get so fixated on ourselves in the here and now. But God gave them to us to enjoy so that we could look forward to eternity with him. Do we have a view of God that way? Do we long to be in the presence of God? And do we understand how great it's going to be? What's our response going to be when we see our Father, the eternal God? It's going to be to do one thing. It's going to be to worship. Before we dive into this, here's what I need. I need to preface all of this with my own understanding of worship, okay? Um, Derek knows, so I've had this conversation with him. No stones being thrown. Uh, Music is not my idea of worship. I don't, it doesn't move me much. You know what the perfect worship service for me would be? If we all came in here and it just said, be still and know that I am Lord on the screen. And for 30 minutes, we just sat in silence and reflected on God's truth. That's my idea of worship. I get it. I'm strange. and I'm in the tiniest minority on the planet. But that's how I worship. Reading over scripture and thinking about the things of God, that is worship for me, but worship for you is different. Here's what I want us to understand. When you think that we're going to worship God for all eternity, if your view of that is sitting in a sanctuary like this with people leading us in worship and, and, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on and the songs go on and on and on and on and on for eternity and you're going, man, all right, this is what it is, you're missing it. You're missing it. We all worship God in different ways. Some of us, it's outside in creation. Some of it's in here. Some of it's on our knees in worship. Some of it's dancing for joy in worship. Wherever you're at, God might meet us in that place, but we will worship God. Why? Because he's worthy of it. And every time God shows up throughout the scriptures, people fall on their face and worship. It's the immediate response. Not because it's a part of a service. Not because it's something we know we need to do. It's because it's our reaction. (laughs) Worship. And so look at how... Worship is described throughout the book of Revelation. He says this in Revelation chapter four, they just worship the holiness of God. It's these four beasts and they just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord over and over and over and over again. That's all they do. Why? Because he is holy. Holy is a church word we throw around all the time. What does it mean? It means to be set apart. It means to look at something and go, I can't believe how awesome that is and how far away from, from I am that is. I can't accomplish what that is, and so I just want to sit and stare at it and worship it, and that's what they do. God, you are so holy. You are so perfect. You are so greater than anything we've ever seen, experienced, or you can even imagine. We just want to sit here in your presence. That's the response that we will have. Not out of duty, not in some sort of worship service setting, but just in a jaws to the ground in awe of who God is. They begin to worship God for his justice and his grace. These are the martyrs when they cry out and they go, finally, God, you got your vengeance. You punished the wicked, bless you, and you gave grace to us, the fallen sinful people, but we found your son, Jesus, and they, they revel in his justice and his grace and they worship him. They say, we can't believe we get to experience this forever because of who you are. We will worship God that way for who he is, his character, his nature. Begin to look at that here in Revelation 15 for his deeds, his character, and who he is. Almighty God. He is infinite. 
After 20 million years of standing in his presence in awe and worshiping him, we will still discover 20 million new things to worship and praise him for because it goes on and on and on forever. And the day that our minds begin to go, eh, that might be fun for the first million years, but what else you got? Again, I think I would challenge you like I challenged myself because I can get there real quick. My view of God is too low. My view of this world is too high. Never forget who I was made for. It's the God of the universe who wants to be with me forever. It's going to be incredible. We're going to look at one, one other passage that's actually going to talk about this idea that we're going to worship the Lamb of God. And there's this moment in heaven where a scroll was brought out and no one's worthy to read from the scroll. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the Lamb of God, my Savior, stands up. And the response from all those present, myriads and myriads it's going to talk about, is to fall down and worship the Lamb of God. Listen to what it says. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll, to use Jesus. Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Worshiping our savior, guys, because he is worthy of everything that they just talked about. Worthy are you because you were slain. You were slain for the sins of the world. For me, messed up dude. God of the universe said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die for you. And so when I get there, I see my Savior. Sometimes we fill our heads with, I got a million questions I'm going to ask God. You know what you're going to do before those million questions even come across your mind? You're going to fall down and worship the God of the universe and the Son, the Lamb of God that saved you and I, not only from eternal separation from him, but ushered us into the presence of God. That's what we're going to do because he's worthy of it. Not because we have to, because we want to because of what he saved us from. And how do we get there? Only through Jesus Christ. Only through the lamb that was slain. He's the only one worthy. So one last point, and then I'm gonna make one statement, and then we're gonna pray. Last point is this. Eternity awaits all of us. Where you place your faith determines where you will be when this world is all over. That's what I've been trying to say the last two weeks. We looked at hell last week and all that we've been saved from. This week, we've dared to even dream and do our best to describe an infinite place of incredible awesomeness in the presence of God, falling woefully short. I admit that. But which way you go has everything to do with what you do with Jesus Christ. And so if you are here today, and guys, if you are here today, uh, two people, if you are here today and this is all new to you, I'm gonna explain the gospel in just a second. If you are here today and you've been coming to this church or a church forever, and your testimony reads something like, I've been going to church my whole life. 
I'm kind of born a Christian. If you take a hard look at yourself and you realize no time in your life have you ever come to the end of yourself, looked God in the eye and said, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need your son, Jesus. Today is your day. Because showing up here every week, week in and week out and week in and week out and never surrendering your life to Christ, it's gonna matter little in eternity. It's all about Jesus. So what do you do with Jesus? So here's the gospel message as clearly as I understand it. You and I, we were created human beings, created in the image of God, and the God of the universe looks down and he loves us, loves us. But you and I, we got a problem. We are sinners. We make all sorts of mistakes. You can call it whatever you want. The Bible calls it sin. Anytime you look and go, I want my way, something selfish, bad thought, a lie, anything that you've done in your life, currently, past, on into the future, that goes against the will of God. The Bible calls that sin. And there's one penalty for sin. It's death. Physical death, yes, but eternal death. We looked at that last week. And it's where we're all going. Until Jesus Christ comes on the scene, lives a perfect life, finds himself in a garden with a choice to make, go back and be with the Father or to give his life as a ransom for all that would put their faith in him. And my Savior died on a cross for my sins. Gave his life so that 2,000 plus years later, some punk kid from North Phoenix could fall on his knees, confess those sins to God, and in a moment, I get ushered from eternal separation into the family of God. And it has nothing to do with where I go to church or what I do. It has everything to do with who Jesus is. And so if you're there today and you long to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm gonna pray in just a second. I'm not gonna make you recite a prayer. I'm just gonna pray for all of us. But before you leave, wherever you are at, online, Northridge, Cactus Chapel, in this room, you need to talk to somebody. Come talk to a pastor. Talk to a brother or sister in Christ. They're sitting right around you. And if you have the privilege as a brother or sister in Christ to have someone go, hey, tell me more about what this guy's telling me about. There's your opportunity. Brag on Jesus. He'll give you the words. Just be present. Love the people that are there. But do not leave any space that you are in without wrestling with that question. What do you do with Jesus? Because here's how this always goes. Spirit moves. You're feeling drawn to Christ. Service is going to end. The doors are going to open. You're going to get off into life, and Satan's going to snatch you up so quick. Get your mind to think about other things. Some of you will pick a kid up who's throwing a fit out there, and it will all be lost in a moment if you don't deal with it here. So deal with it before you go. Talk to somebody. For the rest of us, those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, have compassion we talked about last week. But man, have confidence. Have confidence. Anything this life throws at you now, I need you to understand this. It is but a fleeting moment. Eternity awaits. Now is not forever. One day we'll be in God's presence and it's gonna be glorious. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are God worthy of worship. And God, I will fully admit and confess there are too many days that I forget how awesome you are. So God, for moments like this, for promises like this, for days like this where I get to dream about who you are, and how much you love me. God, I pray you would, you would let those dreams run. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. God, I pray for those maybe that have never put their faith in you. God, don't let them leave this place without at least wrestling, firing off questions, having a conversation with you or another brother or sister in Christ. God, don't let them leave without at least thinking about it. And God, let us meet any and all that you put in our path right where they are. God, to love them, share the hope of your son, Jesus to brag on you any chance we get. 
And God, as always, we'll thank you for the privilege of getting to serve you. And God, we love you. Thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you have prepared for us to enjoy. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I love so much about what Kevin's doing with us each and every week through this series is taking our eyes, like he talked about in the beginning, off of what's going on here at Earth and, and putting them in a heavenly place. Uh, Earth is tough. This is a tough place to live. We'd all say that. We'd freely admit it. And so to take our hope and kind of look to what we hear in the scriptures, which is this is not where our inheritance is. This is where things tarnish. This is where they decay. And yet we can hope into so much more. If today's sermon was something that moved you, if it was one of those experiences where you went, I need to talk to somebody, me and a pastoral team will be down here ready to do that with you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to talk with you. Uh, we wanna do that. Uh, we also take time in each and every service and thank you for your generous giving to the ministries here at Scottsdale Bible Church. As a pastor on staff, I get to watch how those funds go into action each and every week. Lives are being changed. Uh, people's needs are being met. Uh, because of your uh, generosity and you being obedient to what God's called you to do. So thank you so much for that. Uh, and just like we say each and every week, we love you and we look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks so much. Have a good week.